Garrett was a Hall of Fame baseball player for the New York Yankees during the 1920s and the 1930s, and he was a part of a lineup uh, nicknamed Murderers Row. He's along with Dave Ruth and some other great sluggers. Garrett was part of a lineup that was an opposing pitcher team nightmare. And they were called Murderers Row because they hit a lot of runs, won a lot of games, and won a record number of World Series titles. Now, Garrett wore the number four on his uniform, and he got a up in that lineup behind the great Dave Ruth. He won the Triple Crown and was a multiple-time All-Star. And Jared seemed to have it all in him. Then during the 1938 baseball season, his stats slumped. His performance went down quite a bit and really wasn't seen anymore. So during the off-season and into early 1939, he underwent tests and some more tests. And then on June the 13th, 1939, he received the test diagnosis that he had ALS ever since better known as Lou Gehrig's disease. So we went to uh, confirm that diagnosis at the Mayo Clinic, and six days later, on June the 19th, 1939, uh, the, uh, the news was released to the American public that the 36-year-old hero of the New York Yankees, Lou Gehrig, was indeed dying. Uh, Gehrig would face the prospect of risk of a declining nervous system and the chief paralysis quickly spread throughout his body. Two days later, the New York Yankees proclaimed July 4th of that year as Lou Gehrig's day at Yankee Stadium, and they would honor him as the team games of that Independence Day doubleheader. So on that sold-out proud day at Yankee Stadium on July 4th, Gehrig saw his number four retired. So he told me, no Yankee would ever wear that number again. Many people came up and spoke about Jared as a player and as a human being. And then we Jared approached the microphone that day before the sold-out crowd, and he delivered what some have said to be the Gettysburg Address of Baseball. And I'd like to show you a brief video clip from the iconic 1942 movie entitled The Pride of the Yankees, The Story of the Jared. Now, that video clip, that very true line of Lou Gehrig, has been ranked as the 38th greatest movie quote of the top 100 movie quotes of all time. And it shows Lou Gehrig under the most trying of circumstances in life, showing a great deal of gratitude. Now, Gehrig concluded that July 4th speech that day with this. So I close in saying that I might have been given a bad break. Some people would be angry. But I've got an awful lot to live for, and I'm thankful. And Lou Gehrig could have certainly been very angry, struck down in the prime of his life and prime of his career, and I'm sure he had his moments of anger and doubt and wrestling. But biographers say that he lived out those remaining months, truly, with a heart of gratitude. Today we kick off our new summer sermon series titled Major League. Well, we're going to be looking at taking our faith in God to the next level by the power of the Holy Spirit and being open to God's faith in us, a more major league faith and walk with Him. And today we're going to be looking at the concept of gratitude, gratitude in different walks and areas of life and some areas where, quite honestly, it's easy to be angry and not grateful. Now, as we live out our lives and walk with the Lord, St. Paul encourages us in the first letter to the church at Thessalonica, chapter 5, verse 15. Paul says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. 
Be joyful and give thanks in all circumstances for that God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, is that easier said than done? You bet. Is it easier to rejoice and give thanks to God and not be angry when things are going our way in life? When things are going to our, according to our timing? When God seems to be doing what we want Him to do in our life? Uh, when we're going through some of those mountaintop experiences? As opposed to those times in life when things are not going our way. Things are not going according to plans. And we're starting to walk through some very challenging chapters and valleys in this life. The Scripture calls us from beginning to the end to be grateful to God and rejoice in all circumstances. Because thankfulness flows from a heart. It flows from a heart that is in tune with God. And as we grow in our faith walk with Him, as we mature by the power of the Holy Spirit and trust in Him and be open to God developing more of a leisurely faith in us, it's easier, even in life's most challenging and angering circumstances, to live a life in godly contentment. And contentment is the foundation for gratitude. Because if we're not, content, if not content in life, it's easy to get angry, sometimes so out of proportion of the things that happen to us in this life. It's hard to be grateful if we don't have that contentment for what God has given us, grateful for other relationships, and grateful even for our world. I believe the Bible calls us to show gratitude and not anger in five different areas or walks in our lives with Him. And that first area I'd like to explore with you this morning is the area of the material blessings that God gives us. Now, I think it's easy for us to live life, especially in this day and age, and sometimes never be satisfied, never quite be happy, never quite be content, wishing we perhaps had what others had. Uh, if I only had more money, if I only could earn that salary I deserve. I could only get a new job, get that promotion, attain the next level of education, finally drive a new car, move into a newer, bigger home, get a new boyfriend, get a different wife, the list goes on, then we can be happy and more content. And what God calls us to over and over again is to remind us that He is the source for all of our blessings. Everything we have in this life is from Him. And He'll always provide for every single need in this life. Maybe not all of our dreams, but all of our needs. And as I was reflecting on God's word this week, uh, I thought of King David in the Old Testament. And David, of course, the greatest king of Israel in the Old Testament. We're familiar with his personal life, and like you and me, he is a very far from perfect person. We know the issues he had in his personal life with women, and uh, being involved in murder, and bribery and other things along the way, and at times he could be quite brutal as, as much as he was an effective king. But I think as David matured in his walk with the Lord in his life, a more major league faith developed in him. And no matter what David did, he's a sinful human being like you and me, that ultimate sin of faith economy, the Bible always refers to David as a man after God's own heart. And as David grew in his walk with the Lord, I think he became more grateful and sometimes less angry in how he handled things. And I think you see that in First Chronicles. First Chronicles 29, verse 12, it quotes a wonderful gratitude prayer of David. David prays, Wealth and honor comes from you, O Lord. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise for your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only 
what comes from our hands. Being grateful, even in life's tough circumstances, or maybe anger would be our more natural reaction. I was reminded of this principle recently of gratitude, what we have in life, even when we're struggling. I went to visit one of our settings recently in a nursing facility, and since I last visited this setting, we had a new roommate. So when I stopped in that afternoon, uh, the member was sleeping, I wasn't going to disturb it, but the roommate started talking to me, and I introduced myself to him. And this person is clearly struggling with some of life's most horrific challenges, health-wise and otherwise. And she shared with me that she had outlived the whole thing. All her family is far, far away out of state. And I could clearly see how she was struggling physically and otherwise. But she said, you know what, Pastor, is perfect. She said, I have a bed to sleep in. I have food to eat. And the good Lord is still seeing fit to give me two teeth, one in my upper jaw and one in my lower jaw, so I can see my food. And I thought, that's gratitude. That quickly tweaked my perspective that day of what I thought were my challenges I was looking for. She could have been so angry with her health concerns and seeing abandoning me. But seeing gratitude looks towards the world and what she has. Take a second area in life where God calls us to say gratitude, where again, sometimes it's easy. To get quite angry is with the people, the relationships he's blessed us with. There's good ones and there's challenging ones as well. Now, like material provisions, I think it's easy to take people for granted, isn't it? Sometimes even our spouse, our kids, our grandkids, uh, our friends, other relatives, those that do so much for us to help us out. And as we live life, things happen. Sometimes people disappoint us. Sometimes people make us angry. They let us down. They just um, don't come through. But then if we're honest, sometimes we're that person, right, where we make somebody angry, and we don't come through, and we let them down. Things happen in the rough and tumble of this life. Things happen in the rough and tumble of relationships. And I would think probably for many of us here today, myself included, one of the greatest joys in life are the blessings that we enjoy from relationships with people. Working around people. But yet, that can also cut the other way at times, right? Sometimes even in family, even in friends, co-workers. Sometimes some of our greatest hardest in life can come when we encounter relationship issues and hurt. I was reminded of a story recently reflecting on this. Before coming to St. Michael in November 2013, I served for quite a 13 years in LCMS in a regional district office. And among other hats I wore was often I was deployed to go and work churches and Lutheran schools throughout North America and conflicted or other ministry situations. So, uh, at first fall, I was in that position, uh, 2001, uh, flew into St. Louis, grabbed a rental car, drove up by 100 miles up the Mississippi River north into Mark Twain country, Hannibal, Missouri. And I was scheduled that night to work with a Lutheran school and church and some of their leaders and staff, conflicted situation at 8 o'clock. Now, being the first Wednesday of Advent, I thought, well, I'll, I'll look for something first. So, service concluded at 7.45, a very nice gentleman behind me, the few behind me, recognized me as a visitor. Asked me who I was, welcome to the church, asked me what I did. And then during the course of the conversation, he said, Now, I bet you even working in the church like you do, Tim, you, you work with a lot of people. I said, I sure do. And he said, Do you ever run into people that are maybe angry or frustrated and so forth and what you do in the center? I said, That happens sometimes, sir. And I said, What do you do for us? He said, well, I'm a farmer. I've got a big spread about five miles west of here. And he said, I've got a lot of cows and I've got a lot of pigs. 
And he said, I'd never get this chance. There are many a day I would rather work and talk to my cows and pigs and human beings. And he said it with such a laugh, he almost made this person speechless. Almost. And he was kidding, kind of, but he wasn't totally kidding. Now, there's maybe days that you and I feel like that farmer in Randall, Missouri, no matter how much we love people, because sometimes relationships speak up the other way. I think this is what Jesus is saying as well in the Sermon on the Mount that Matt read from earlier. You know, he was talking to the religious leaders at that time. He thought they had never broken the fifth commandment because they had never committed physical evil. But what he was saying is, have you ever been angry at somebody? Have you ever called somebody a name? Have you ever been unrighteously impatient with somebody? Have you ever thrown somebody to church? Have you hurt somebody physically, emotionally, mentally in some way? Then that's a challenge we all step in. Relationships cut both ways. Working a great deal in the area of grief ministry and bereavement ministry, they do hear about church. I often have the opportunity to talk to people in the minutes and the hours and the days and the weeks and the months following the loss of a loved one. And no matter what that relationship maybe was with that loss, a family member, whether close to or friends, friends, coworkers, fellow students, and no matter what the circumstance was of how that person died, in those opening minutes and hours, one begins to really miss not only the good, but sometimes even the frustrating part of that relationship. There are many um, people here that I work through in the grief process where, after losing a spouse in the weeks or the months to come, they say, Tim, I just so wish I had so and so around. I wish we could still have that old fight about who left the toilet seat at. Well, I guess you probably know this party left the toilet seat at home. I can think of it. Or, you know, who used the wrong toothbrush? You start to miss even those conflicted areas because you still miss that person. Things happen in the rough and tumble of life. And sometimes we don't appreciate what we have in common, even a challenging relationship. So they're no longer there. Now, Paul dealt with a lot of imperfect people like you and me. And Paul was very imperfect as well, as we all are, in his New Testament ministry. Some of the churches he worked and wrote letters to are extremely challenging. And the people at Corinth could be downright wrong. They were problematic, issue-filled people. But Paul, as he matured and walked, with the Lord, as the Lord grew more of a major league faith in him, Paul was able to write this to the very problem called church at Corinth. His first letter, chapter 1, verse 4, he said, I always thank God for you. Why? Because it's a grace giving you in Christ Jesus. Each and every day, each and every relationship, each and every time you work through a conflicting situation, it is only and all by God. And God's grace, by its very definition, is undeserved love. We don't deserve God's love. He gives it to us. And the people we interact with are also deserving of our grace and forgiveness. A third area in life where we're called to be grateful, where I think quite honestly it's easy to get angry and frustrated in, is when we go through those trials and struggles in this life. Now, we never welcome trials and struggles to come our way. We don't relish having relationship issues or fights. Uh, it's tough to receive a devastating health diagnosis for you or a loved one. To lose a job, to have a failure at school, uh, to break up with a boyfriend, to go through a divorce, to lose a very close friend or relative to death. These are some of the most challenging and trying chapters and seasons in life that we'll ever walk through. 
And many times it's easy to get angry. Angry at situations, at circumstances, at others, at God, even ourselves. But as we mature and walk closer and closer with the Lord, He wants to reassure us and empower us that we do not ever walk and struggle alone. Now, in the reading that Matt read from James uh, chapter 1, beginning at verse 2, it is a challenging section of Scripture. I always find it challenging. And yet, you know, when he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Of course, that's the goal. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and they'll be given to him. In other words, when we face the toughest trials and challenges of this life, I think we basically have two choices. We can look inward and downward toward ourselves and often wallow in anger or despair. Or, by power of the Holy Spirit, we can look outward and upward toward God and ask Him to fill our hearts with gratitude. In other words, we can run to God or we can run from God. Again, I have the privilege by virtue of, of what I do on a daily basis in pastoral care to go and visit members and others in nursing homes, hospice settings, hospitals, and rehab centers, and assisted living, funeral homes, and long homes. And I see you and I, the people of God, looking with faith-filled eyes toward Jesus during some of life's toughest challenges. Or to use the baseball metaphor we're using in this sermon series, we were standing in the battered box of life with the help of God, trying to take a swing at life's tough curveballs that come our way. The pains and trials ultimately drive us to fix our hearts and eyes upon Jesus. Because He is at work in each and every circumstance. His blessings will be there even in life's worst suffering. Now, let's be honest, we always don't see His presence, we may not always feel His power. We may not always get our answers to the wise of this world. We may not always understand his plans while we're going through that deep valley of chapters. We may not understand it to much later, and sometimes we will never understand that on this side of the world. And sometimes that can cause anger. And I was reading recently a quote from um, Tim Keller, a great Christian writer, and he is the author of that Prodigal God series in which he has a church back uh, uh, And he said this when he was trying to deal with the anger of going through some of life's toughest circumstances. He said, God will allow evil and suffering only to the degree that it brings about the very opposite of what is intended. But again, we may not always see that on the side of glory. But God is there in the midst of the mix and the mess. And that's what Jesus is saying in the sermon about as we go through those tough situations where we're so tempted to respond with anger and all that he was talking about. Or what James says, consider it pure joy when you go through those trials, those toughest questions, to know that the Lord is there. He is constantly refining our faith in the, even the worst of this fallen world past. There is great power in rejoicing and giving thanks, even in the tough times, because it comes from God. It helps us persevere, as James says. It lightens the burdens of those around us. It offers other people who are going through tough trials hope and encouragement 
rejoicing and giving thanks in the most timeless circumstances of glory and honor to God, and it can be a powerful witness. And we've got some members in the family of God raising some awfully, awfully tough, tough, tough challenges at this point. And the witness that that is showing, that unshakable faith, God is looking for them. Like we did in our video clip, when we go through those toughest struggles in life, we can react in anger and look inwardly, or with gratitude and hope, outwardly, toward God. The fourth area is the part of toward gratitude in this life is for the salvation we have in Christ Jesus. No matter what happens in this life, no matter what we gain or lose, no matter what we joyfully experience or painfully walk through, God has given us the greatest gift of all, as little Marion said by the church. The gift of His Son, Jesus, who came for every person born to be born, every wrong committed to be committed or will be committed. Jesus, who took our place, suffered and died and rose again, that all believe in Him will have life eternal someday. That all who have that personal faith walk with Him instead of that eternal heavenly banquet table. And that propels, that reassurance propels us in the second letter to the church of Christ to explain this, Second Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for this, His indescribable gift. And fifth and finally, we are called to be thankful and grateful for God for His continued power and presence in our lives, even during the worst, toughest, most enduring of circumstances. In other words, once we come to know the Lord, it's not the end, it's the beginning, putting in our baseball scene. It's not the ninth inning, it's the first inning when we come to know the Lord. God desires us to continue to grow in our love and understanding of His love and His Word and the work He calls us to be about. To seek an increasing and deepening awareness and walk with Him and acknowledging that we're always works in progress. By ourselves, I know this is so true for me, by myself, I don't have the power to navigate life's choppiest and toughest waters. None of us do. God wants us to turn to Him and His power and His presence to live that content life with grateful hearts that He has in mind for us. We said that gratitude is an action and an attitude of faith. It enables us each day, even in the most angering of situations, to say, Lord, I still believe. We all may face those rebuild moments in life. Those challenging chapters in life which could leave us frustrated, perplexed, or angry. Do we look inward or upward? Do we run toward God or from God? May our Lord help us this day and every day to release the anger and hurt that we feel in such moments. To turn it over to Him and that He would fill us with hearts of gratitude and our closer major league reaction to Him. In the name of Jesus, Amen.